How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard, and this is a show about wrestling. And Royal Rumble season is upon us. And as such, we thought we would deliver some shows for you involving the Royal Rumble. And we thought we would talk about some of the worst Royal Rumbles, but then that kind of morphed into one of our rebook ideas. And Leonard actually was the one who selected the 1995 Royal Rumble. And we'll get to why we think that one warrants a rebook here in a second. But let's first, before we get to that, I guess I should add, talk about some of the more modern stuff that's going on since we sometimes start with that. Uh, mm -hmm. The big news, biggest news from this past week, I think, is the fact that Mickey James is the Impact Knockout Champion. I believe that's still what they refer to it as. Mm -hmm. And she will be in the Royal Rumble, which had a lot of people talking. Um, I think uh, either former or current 411 writer uh, Greg DeMarco made a comment on Facebook about it that I agree with, which is people shouldn't get too excited about this and any possible forbidden door opening because this was probably suggested suggested on the fly by Vince McMahon. And then when he was told she was at Impact, he was probably like, whatever, do it anyway, which I can totally see, Leonard. I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but... Well, also, too, I was kind of surprised by all these people freaking out, but, oh, it's the Forbidden Door. Oh, they're using somebody from Impact. I'm like, WWF has used people for other from other promotions and have admitted other promotion ex exist. And in fact, with this rumble rebook, I'm at least going to talk about some of that because Absolutely. That that's funny. I, I am too. We'll definitely get into that because that was going on at the time. So I don't think that's nearly as big of a deal as it was. Now, one thing I do think is a big deal about this is that when Mickey James was let go, what less than a year ago, um, that she made a big stink over how they gave her all her stuff shoved in a trash bag, which yep. apparently, I guess, what they did for everybody. It wasn't like a slam against her. And rightfully so, that's kind of disrespectful. It so is. it actually kind of surprised me that she felt so greatly disrespected that when they came calling, she went back. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that she's just the utmost team player and is willing to just work and get her name out there no matter what that takes. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, though who knows what will go down during the female rumble. Um, the fact that she does work for a different company, it will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, she's certainly not going to win. No. Unless they think that that's where your money's at. Right. Because certainly that would make people talk. That would no, certainly knowing knowing WWE, I would say look for one of the top players in the Rumble. Obviously, it won't be Becky or Charlotte, but look for one of the top players to have a confrontation with her. And I would imagine she would get eliminated by somebody like that. Yeah. In my opinion, I'm calling it here now, Leonard. I think because this is the one accolade that she doesn't have on her resume. I see Bailey returning and winning this year's Royal Rumble for the women anyway, unless her injury is worse than I know of. I, that's what I see happening because that's the Royal Rumble staple. Is it not somebody coming back from an injury, a big a return, you know, so I would see, her getting eliminated by somebody like that i would say sasha would be the perfect but like sasha's legit injured so i don't know who's going to be in it i'm thinking of the top players i would just say i would think mickey james is probably going to have a showdown with somebody big i i doubt it'll be you yeah. know somebody we don't know of uh so who knows but anyway let's move on to the royal rumble from 1995 and that event took place on January 22nd, 1995, at the USF Sundome in Tampa, Florida. It had five matches on its card. And 
as is the custom since 1993. So it's been going on for a couple years. The winner receives a WWF World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania. In this case, it would be WrestleMania 11. The attendance was around 10,000 here. And let's get to the card. In the dark match, Buck Quartermain defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. No time limit given. I know Leonard's really upset about the lack of time limit given there because I'm sure he wanted to know. Right, Leonard? Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm getting you – I'm going to spoil the surprise. I'm getting you a Buck Quartermain shirt for your birthday this year. <laughs> I hope so. I look forward to it. Um, although, if you wanted to get me, uh, you know, an ace knuckleball shorts shirt, we could do that too. Oh, that, that would be a good one. Yeah. Uh, the first official match was Jeff Jarrett with the roadie defeating Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship in 1806. The Undertaker would be in the second match defeating Erwin R. Scheister. The Undertaker would have Paul Bearer. IRS would have Ted DiBiase. That would last 12 minutes and 21 seconds. Diesel would fight Bret Hart for, the single, uh, for a singles match for the WWF Championship, and that would go to a draw. So Diesel would retain in 27-19. And in the finals for the tag team tournament, the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly would defeat Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka with Ted DiBiase in 1532. And finally, the Royal Rumble match itself, 38 minutes and 41 seconds. Shawn Michaels would win by eliminating the British Bulldog. So I side with Leonard in that I think that this is not one of the best rumbles out there is it the worst i'd have to look at each one like this one certainly ranks up there um i mean jeff jarrett was doing okay work here the bret hart diesel match was good that was that yeah. was a good match but then again in this era bret hart had good matches with everyone um diesel was still coming along so they gave him bret hart for a reason they wanted him to have a decent match and it, they did um, the Rumble match itself, to me, is one of the worst. The lineup, the shortness of time frames between entrants. So, yeah, this is not one of my favorite Rumbles to look back on. Uh, but, Leonard, what do you think? Well, you know, 1995 is considered one of the worst years for wrestling in yeah. the U.S. and specifically for the WWF. And taking a look at this pay-per-view, will tell you a main reason why, especially that Rumble match itself. It's a very weak talent roster with bad guys and or bad gimmicks. Sometimes you got a good guy and a bad gimmick. You know, outside of Shawn Michaels winning from the one slot and doing the foot dangle, most wrestling fans I don't think could tell you anything else that happened on the show or happened right. on that. Uh, the tag title tournament tells you how weak the tag scene was. Yeah. Um, Hart versus Diesel, as you mentioned, is probably the best match of the night. That, I think, got bogged down a little bit with the overbooking with Owen Hart coming in and costing Brett. And then Brett goes and costs, beats up Owen and beats up Bob Backlund before right. they the Rumble match. Um, and you mentioned uh, for the Rumble match itself, the time intervals. It's one minute here. Yeah. Typically, it's 90 seconds. I, I think they did two minutes the first year, maybe the second year. But one minute is just not enough time between entries because the ring fills up too fast with bodies and you don't have enough time from entry, enter, entry point to entry point to tell a story, you know, with, with the guy who's coming in. How does he fit? How does he establish himself? He doesn't have time. You know, a couple of times a guy's just entering the ring and then the buzzer goes off. Or when Brett attacks Owen and attacks Bob Backlund, as I mentioned, Brett's bumping into the next guy coming out as they're trying to run him off. So it's just not enough time to build anything with. And, uh, you know, to jump ahead a little bit and rebooking this whole Rumble pay-per-view, I wanted to move guys around where I thought they felt fit best. I wanted to have solid singles matches by using guys who necessarily aren't the best Rumble fits. And for the Rumble, use the big guys that you can protect in such a match. You know, for example, a guy like King Kong Bundy at this time was an, an immobile slug. Very <laughs> big. Very I slug. I think you just suggested a t-shirt for him, Leonard. King Kong Bundy, the immobile slug. Um, <laughs> no, and so, love King Kong Bundy. 
Yes, of course, of course. Just, you know, at this time in his career. And I think, you know, we talked about when we talked about the Million Dollar Corporation, he wasn't really feeling it at this point anyway. But the fact that you can make Bundy useful because of his size in a match like the Rumble, a singles match, a lot of the weaknesses he has at this point in his career are very easily exposed. So a guy like that, hey, I want to use him in the Rumble. And when we get to the actual Rumble match, there's a few... Uh, you know, ideas that I'll say at that point of, of what was my booking philosophy for, right. for the match itself. Right. Um, and I should add that some of the people in attendance here, uh, Baywatch star Pamela Anderson was here uh, mm-hmm. at ringside. And because she would be accompanying the uh, winner of the match, um, receiving their title shot. And obviously Lawrence Taylor was here. So the storyline between he and Bam Bam Bigelow would uh, be kicked off. And as I said, the, the attendance was 10,000 fans, um, which is about the capacity for the Sun Dome at the time. Um, but the figure was down from the previous year, which was about 14,500. Mm-hmm. And as Leonard said, 95 was not a good year. I wasn't watching at this point i just i really wasn't um i don't believe i was either maybe catching a few things here and there but i don't think i was actively following it do you do you want to read the 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 rumble roster like who was in the match you have do you have that there oh yeah absolutely let's uh, i i can do that if you want Uh, yeah run that down so people just hear the names yes absolutely yeah so everybody can have an idea of who we were dealing with so number one sean michaels number two the british bulldog number three eli blue Number four, Duke Drose. Number five, Jimmy Del Rey. Number six, Shone. Now, that's the Barbarian. Am I saying yes. that right? I, I, I think it was Sion is how they said it, but it doesn't, it's the Barbarian. It doesn't right. matter. Seven, Tom Pritchard. Eight, Doink the Clown. Nine, Quang. Ten, Rick Martell. Eleven, Owen Hart. Twelve, Timothy Well. Thirteen, Bushwalker Luke. Fourteen, Jacob Blue. Fifteen, King Kong Bundy. Sixteen, Moe. Seventeen, Mabel. 18, Bushwhacker Butch, 19, Lex Luger, 20, our favorite, Mantar, 21, Aldo Montoya, 22, Henry O'Godwin, 23, Billy Gunn, 24, Bart Gunn, 25, Bob Backlund, 26, Stephen Dunn, 27, Dick Murdoch, 28, Adam Bomb, 29, Fatou, and 30 was Crush. So, And most of those guys would be gone or have a gimmick change by the next year. Right. Exactly, and of course, Dick Murdoch sticks out like a sore thumb. I, I'm like, sure there's so bad. I'm, I'm sure there's a story as to how Dick Murdoch was in the match, uh, but there, but there, but there he was. Right, and they didn't really say anything about it. It's just like Dick Murdoch came out, and uh, Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon and commentary was like, "Hey, it's Dick Murdoch." Like Dick Murdoch had always been there. <laughs> yeah, like he was always just kind of hanging around. <laughs> like, yeah, the fans know who this is. Yeah, um, and you know, I actually watched the match with with my wife, and um, it was one of those things. Like, as as a guy came out, she was like, "Okay, that's got to be like the weirdest guy or the worst guy." I'm like, "Wait, yeah." yeah. And then the started coming out, and she's like, "Oh, well, that's got to be the dumbest thing in here." I'm like, "No, wait." <laughs> well, and as we talked about, this is a rebook, so Leonard and I have talked and including the rumble match we both have six matches mm-hmm. which uh, doesn't happen often but uh we are equal in that so leonard because yeah. i introduced the rumble why don't you right. start us off with talking about your card and your first match all right so first of all for the royal rumble match i'm going back to 90 seconds because i think that's important to note that's gonna be 90 second intervals and also, too, and this goes back to what we were talking about with Mickey James, was not the first time WWF has worked with other companies or have acknowledged the existence of other companies. In fact, at this time, they had acknowledged the existence and were working with both Jerry Lawler's USWA out of Memphis and Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So my idea is that Jim Cornette and Jerry Lawler will both be on commentary with Vince McMahon and it is mentioned that because of that working relationship, that both companies will have entrance in the Royal Rumble. And it's possible that a Smoky Mountain 
wrestler or a USWA wrestler could go on to WrestleMania and wrestle for the title, which of course is totally upsets Vince McMahon, that concept. But that is a way where this Rumble can get some added star power and some uniqueness and for it to have uh, a storyline. I like it. My first match is going to be Lex Luger versus Crush with the winner not only advancing to the Rumble match, but entering at number 30. So I've done this dip in the fancy feds that I've booked, that I've talked about um, when I've done a Rumble show. It's a way you can credibly use a guy twice. You're giving some extra juice to an undercard match. Luger and Crush match up well on paper. Sure, that won't be a great match, but I think it would be serviceable, especially if you keep it short, maybe under 10 minutes. Um, You could also get a feud coming out of that to go through WrestleMania between the two of them. It's a story you can tell. Uh, You know, Luger was the co-winner the year before with Bret Hart. Bret Hart won the title of WrestleMania 10. Luger didn't. So it's kind of a road to redemption story. You know, this is Luger's only way back to a title shot. So given that's the story I want to tell, Luger would win here and advance to the Rumble. All right. I like like the the idea of making that a stipulation. I I think that's a good idea. So... My idea for this rumble, like I said, kind of morphed from, you know, where we were talking about. So I should add that in the rumble match itself, Leonard and I agreed that we would uh, use any free agent or any person not working for WCW at the time, because there's no way that WWF would have had a relationship with WCW. So, um, so we opened it up a little bit to anybody that was out there. Um, And I do have one cheat. Uh, but we'll get there. Okay. So my my idea for this was to kind of subtitle it, and this is probably going to be obvious since I just got done watching Wrestle Kingdom 16, but a WWF versus Japan approach. Oh, okay. So we'll get to that because it does involve my first match, but that's kind of the subtitle. And I agree with you um, with the 90 second intervals with the rumble match. uh, That's certainly going to be in place as well. So my first match, I reworked the order a little bit. I'm going to start off with the tag team tournament final. And I am not going to use Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka in this spot. And I am going to use the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly. But they are going to be facing Jeff Jarrett and the roadie. Okay. That is my tag team tournament final. I think that that would be a good way to open a card like this. It would be a fast-paced match. It would uh, maybe cover up the fact that the tag team division was really not good. Um, We know that Road Dog, the roadie, was a good worker and could do his share in the ring. Jeff Jarrett, obviously, as well. So I, I would have this be the final. And honestly, I, if it were me, I'd be leaning towards Jeff Jarrett and the roadie winning the titles. Now, obviously, what history would dictate with this, it obviously worked out different for that pairing, but I would probably have them win the titles here. Uh, the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly are not exactly the uh, legendary tag team that we remember fondly. So that's my first match. Okay. Well, I've got that a little further up, so I'll talk about that when I get there. But I think what you have is very logical. Actually, I think it probably makes more sense than what I wound up doing with that. Um, And yeah, I would agree with you on putting the belts on the heels there. And I think that's maybe a better use of Jarrett than than the Intercontinental title match with Razor Ramon, even though he won there. So my second match is actually the IC title match. Razor Ramon, champion, Defending against Rick Martel. So I was actually surprised that Rick Martel was still there and that he was in the Rumble. And uh, I looked it up and apparently this was the first time he had been on television since like the summer. And he was gone shortly after this, I think by March. So even with that, Martel is a guy who still had a lot to offer at this time in the ring. You know, he's a bankable name. People knew who he was. People knew the gimmick. And he could still work, and he could definitely work with a guy like Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. So I think, 
you build Martell up as a challenger with a few TV wins and a couple promos, and you can make this work. Oftentimes, the Rumble, especially in the first several years, a lot of these matches to me felt like filler matches. It's like, well, we got to put so many guys in the match, so we're going to just kind of plug and play the title matches because they don't really mean a whole lot. So, but I think that, again, kind of what I said, my goal with the singles matches, or I should say the preliminary matches, is to just have good matches. And Ramon and Martel can definitely have a good match. And, of course, I would have Ramon retain. All right. Well, I guess I have more than one cheat now that I look at it really closely. Oh. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about why. So, okay. um, in, in a perfect world... You know, I you know this person wasn't working right now because he was injured. But um, my next match is the Undertaker versus Mister Perfect, and the reason why I have that as a match is because they really didn't have a match. I think there was one random one that I came across on TV. Maybe they, they didn't really have a full fledged match, and I think it would have been interesting to see how they worked together. Now, Perfect had a back injury uh, around this time. Um, he was there in 94, uh, but, you know, kind of left and came back and was doing commentary and all this kind of different things. Um, and obviously the undertaker was feuding with the million dollar corporation, but, uh, I think that that feud really wore itself out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think it would have been great to see an undertaker, Mr. Perfect match here, uh, because I think that it could have been really interesting to see how they worked. Uh, together so yeah i didn't use perfect because he wasn't active at the time i certainly don't you know fault you for using that using him there and i never really thought about uh, an undertaker perfect matchup but i like the idea of it i think those guys could have had a really good match together i think hennig would have sold great for ut i think ut would have enjoyed working with hennig in that way so yeah i really like the idea and and again you know i just didn't think of doing anything with hennig because he wasn't technically active. Uh, my next match is the tournament final. So I also kept Bob Holly in the one, two, three kid, but their opponents, and this may be a cheat. You may consider this a cheat. Owen Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, or I believe the new foundation as they were being called at the time. Right. Now, as mentioned earlier, this tournament showed how weak the tag division was. And I think the million dollar corporation guys could be used better elsewhere. Uh, so again, trying to just get a good match. These guys match up well. They're good tag wrestlers. Now here's the, here's the cheap part. Nightheart was fired for some no shows right before this. And that's why, uh, in the first round of the tournament, he and Owen would actually lose to the head shrinkers. And apparently Jim was already gone by the time that match had aired. Of course, Nightheart would wind up coming back to the company and, you know, in my world, they just smoothed things over with Jim. They went, they talked to him, they figured it out, and they kept him. And apparently, the original idea was for Owen and Jim to win the belts here. So, oh. so again, from what I was reading, research I was doing. So, I would, I would say, let's get it back on track, and I would put the belts on the new foundation. I think they would probably be the best team to center hopefully a rebuilding tag division uh, around certainly better than a more makeshift team like kid and holly yeah i like that um i like the idea of them winning and yeah i mean around this time uh, jim nightheart was kind of all over the place um but uh, i like that idea a lot and i think that that would be a good match too um just as good as the match I suggested for the tournament final. Yeah, yeah, I think both those. I, I think it was. I think it's funny that we both kept Holly and Kid. We just found them better dance partners. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. So my next match is a women's title match. So Alundra Blaze was the female talent here, and she requested to have some people from Japan come and work with her. Um, but you look at 94, 95, and 96 with her, she only worked a ha- uh, like a few times each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't really much going on. And, you know, as, as everybody always talks about, you know, there wasn't a lot of female talent during this time. Well, to be more specific, there's not a lot of female talent in the U.S. At yes. this time. There was female talent in Japan, which is why she brought over who she did. Um, now, Aja Kong, um, Bull Nakano, legendary Japanese female names, but 
Alundra Blaze did not have a match with the icon of Japanese wrestling, which was uh, Manami Toyota, who has had a lot of five-star matches back then and was the name in female Japanese wrestling. So that is my idea. Have Alundra Blaze versus Manami Toyota. I think that even though it prefaces a really big match, I think that they could put on a hell of a 10-minute showdown. I think it would showcase Alundra Blaze's skills. And I think by putting her with somebody that was arguably better than her, I think it would, I think it would be a good pairing. Um, because, you know, you look back at this era of women's wrestling and you wish that there was more there for, for her to work with, but there wasn't. Um, and this is the one match that never happened. I looked it up. Well, you know what you didn't look up? Who the champ was. Oh, was it wasn't it? Alundra Blade. Okay, fine. Way to Bull be Nakano. Leonard. So, Bull Nakano was actually had the belt at this time. She no, it's Alundra not for Blaze the title. How about that? Traded it back and forth. Because my next match is for the WWF Women's World title, and it's Bull Nakano, the champion, Versus Manami Toyota. <laughs> That's funny that we both used her, though. Yeah, see, originally I had thought about just doing Nakano Blaze again, but that had been done. I thought right. about doing Blaze and Toyota, but when I looked it up and found out that Nakano had the belt, I figured, well, and both Nakano and Toyota work for All Japan. Right. So I was thinking, oh, why not just do something different? Why not have this out-of-the-box title defense? I don't know if Nakano ever really defended the belt against anyone other than Blaze during the period that she had it. Probably No, I don't think so. Probably not. So I was thinking, oh, let's do something different. Let's do something outside the box. Let's showcase these old Japan women. And again, even with 10 minutes, I think they could have put on something great. I would like to yeah. have seen more. So, you know, not to not to get on you for, <laughs> for your booking, but the only reason I knew that is because I looked it up for to see, what, thing. That's, uh, to see what I could do. Because, again, I think we both have the same idea. When you want to use as many guys as you can for the Rumble match but have other matches on the card, using the women makes total sense. And, again, it did. I mean, the belt existed, and they did try to push it here and there. They just didn't, didn't do a whole lot with it. So I think having a premier women's match, whether it's for the belt or not, on the show would be great. And I would love to see Blaze and Toyota. I think that would have been a fantastic match. Right. Um, uh, certainly. And I, I know, you know, Nakano and Toyota had fought, of course, not in the U.S. in a high-profile way. But definitely, I think I, think I like your match better for – the idea that it never happened right well yeah no, i think both both of those work really well okay my next match is bret hart versus owen hart in an iron man match okay so let's do the history here obviously it would be wrestlemania 12 that bret hart would face Shawn michaels in what was dubbed the first iron man match however there was iron man matches at house shows prior to WrestleMania 12 and prior to this Royal Rumble. Um, the first one logged was Bret Hart versus Ric Flair. That was at a house show, but Bret Hart and Owen Hart had a, a several Iron Man matches at house shows. I actually have one of them on an old VHS tape. The camera work is not good. Somebody that clearly had had a few, um, but uh, it is out there. And the Ric Flair one is out there too on YouTube as well. Um, so they were testing it out, obviously, around this time. And, but I think it makes sense here because the Owen Hart-Bret Hart feud was still going on. He had just lost, Bret Hart had just lost the title to Bob Backlund. Mm -hmm. And that Owen Hart was involved there. So this was still going on. And keep in mind that Bret Hart and Owen Hart faced each other at SummerSlam in the cage match. And there was never really a rubber match. And when I was thinking about that, I actually looked it up. And technically, they did have a straightforward match on WWF Action Zone. <laughs> oh. Which was a show, like, which was like right after SummerSlam. And it was, they even talk about it. It was supposed to be the last time that Owen Hart had a chance at the WWF title. 
So they had that match, which has probably not been seen by anybody. But again, that is on on YouTube. Um, and like I said, they would face each other in various matches after this, Owen Hart and Bret Hart. There would be a no-holds-barred match on Raw. So the feud was ongoing, and I think this would be a great way to close it out. It's a match that they had tested on a house show, and you have them do this Iron Man match. Obviously, this makes the show longer. Oh, well. I think it's logical here. It's not for a title, so you don't have to worry about that being a stipulation. It's just brother versus brother. Who is better? And uh, I think it would be great. I've seen, like I said, I've seen the house show one. It was uh, very good. Uh, I think Brett won it three to two, but uh, there you have it. Yeah. You know, while that would make the card, you know, longer because the Rumble match is so long, the fact that it's a very different style match, I think works. I love the idea of it, uh, especially after they had done the cage match at SummerSlam. Where else do you go? Right. And I think introducing a new type of stipulation and being one that really places the strength of both guys. They're both technical wrestlers, great getting pins, great getting submissions, know a bunch of different pins, a bunch of different submissions. And the way that they work together, their chemistry, this would be a very ex excellent match. It'd be a fantastic battle. So my next match is for the WWF World uh, Heavyweight title and is Diesel, the champion, versus Tatanka with Ted DiBiase. Diesel, as champ, had run-ins with the Million Dollar Corporation. They were the top heel stable at the time. So one of DiBiase's guys getting the title shot here, especially, as I mentioned before, with the idea that sometimes the Rumble, you weren't getting the premier feud or the premier matchup. It was kind of a plug-in guy. Um, Tatanka to me made the most sense because I wanted Bigelow and Bundy in the Rumble. I thought that would fit better for them. Tatanka is the most mo mobile guy. He's got a good power game. Um, not a great match, I admit that, but I think it's passable here. And that's all I really want. Um, the, the title kind of has to be defended, and I don't want to waste any name value like Bret Hart on the match. So I think the fact that you've got the Million Dollar Corporation trying to run the WWF, that's a easy storyline to plug in here. I like that. Uh, I think it would be yeah, probably not a technical classic, but it would be interesting to see Tatanka in a main event slot like that. It would have been cool to see what they did with him. Mm -hmm. um, my title match is Diesel versus Razor Ramon. So it is a title versus title showdown. And here's why this makes sense. Razor okay. Ramon beat Diesel at SummerSlam for the IC title. So that match happened. And that's why I think it makes sense here. Now you have, it's the click. They're working together. So you know they're going to be for it backstage. All right, yeah. <laughs> so I think the fact that Razor Ramon has a legitimate, you know, agenda like hey i beat you i should get the first shot now obviously in reality they gave it to bret hart and that was a good match and brett had lost to, to backland and all that that made sense too but in my lineup i wanted to see brett and owen again so i think a razor ramon versus diesel match would work um i think it would make diesel look really strong if he gets both belts and then just immediately relinquishes the ic strap you could do something there um so, yeah, I, I think that this would be a decent match, not a five-star classic, but an easy three, three-and-a-quarter star. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I like the idea of the title versus title because there's a reason for it. You know, Ramon right. says, hey, I beat you before for this belt, and I'll put it up against the one you got now. That makes total sense. I could totally see him doing that. Again, they do work well together. I think you do get a passable match, and you get – and it's got a step that would interest people. I think people would say, oh, well, that's unique. I don't know if they had done, well, yeah, Hogan Warrior. No, yeah. Hogan Warrior wasn't title for title. It was. It was? It was? Okay. Yeah, I was, the Warrior I was, was holding up both titles at the time. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking that the Warrior won the world title and then just vacated the he did. That Yes, that did happen. Yes. Okay. Not that. If Hogan if Hogan would have won, would Hogan got the IC belt? Yes. and But Bruce Pritchard, like laughed about that. He's like, we're not going to have Hogan win and have him be the IC champ. <laughs> so like it was technically, it was title for title. Okay. For title, title right. title, but yeah. <laughs> okay. As a side note there. Uh, so next up, I've my rumble match. So what we talked about is I'm just going to go through my whole match. Then Chad's going to do his, I'm going to say who I've got coming in, where I've got a few notes. 
I don't have it mapped out who eliminates who and when. That's just way oh, too we're going to have to stop the show and because uh, I know. <laughs> No, if we if we each had each elimination log, that would mean we uh, needed a hobby. Other we than had now. way too much time on our hands, which we do now anyway. So anyway, again, keep in mind, I want to do the USWA SMW angle. So a lot of those guys, basically, I cut most of the dead weight, like the right. Blue Twin, Mantar, Quang, Aldo Montoya, those guys are all gone. <laughs> so... One and two, I'm starting off the same way. Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. The story they told here was good. It, it, after the Brett Diesel match, it's the best thing of the night is the story they tell. They enter one and two, and they finish at the end. First time that had been done, and I think they told a great story throughout. I still want them to tell that story just with new trappings around them. Number three, I got Wildfire Tommy Rich. Rich was working for USWA and SMW at the time so crossover talent there really establishes from the get-go hey here's why we're doing this here's who the guys are that we're using etc um former nwa world champion well known in the south so i think rich is a good first guy for all of those reasons to get over the idea of what we're doing here and i don't think rich ever worked for the wwf so again a good uh, nice to have a, a very notable name from say the, the 20 years prior to 95 getting in here and getting at least one wwf cameo as it were and feel free to interject on anything as as i go through and, and <laughs> yeah. on any of the guys uh number four duke the dumpster drozy i'm keeping that because oh. i love duke the dumpster oh leonard i think you have to have a few of the underneath gimmicky guys in here well in that we agree <laughs> okay so I used Duke because I love Duke. So there you go. Uh, five, I got Billy Gunn. Six, Jimmy Del Rey. Seven, Bart Gunn. Eight, Dr. Tom, Tom, Dr. Tom Pritchard. So again, the smoking guns and the heavenly bodies come in kind of one after the other. Doing this to kind of get a feud going to kind of jumpstart our tag division. Uh, the guns and the bodies could definitely work well, I think, together. So I would probably have them maybe wind up eliminating each other. So that's why I kind of got that stagger here and do that early on. So you can tell a little mini story with them before we get too far in. Number nine, I have the dirty white boy, uh, Tony Anthony, one of the top guys in Smoky Mountain Wrestling for Jim Cornette. Uh, we're going to see a lot of guys here who would actually go on to work for the WWF. Uh, dirty white boy became T.L. Hopper. Uh, in the very next year in, in 1996. So I would be using him in the gimmick he was using in Smoky Mountain at the time. Uh, number 10, Doink the Clown, just because you got to keep Doink in there. Uh, number 11, I got Superstar Bill Dundee. Memphis legend, never worked for WWF. You know, longtime Jerry Lawler buddy. Got him in here just to have him in here. Number 12, I got Jeff Jarrett. Again, kind of cherry-picking some of the talent that was used yet elsewhere in the original card, getting them in here. Number 13, I got Unibomb. This is Kane. Uh, <laughs> he just entered Smoky Mountain Wrestling as Unibomb in January. Like, he just debuted for Smoky Mountain. So I could see Cornette wanting to get his new monster heel some TV time and bringing him in. And so this is Kane before he was Isaac Yankum or anything. That would have changed the course of history if they had gotten a look at how get Kane this early. Yes, yeah. So a very early look at at Unibom, aka Kane. Number fourteen, Erwin R. Scheister. You know, Rotunda is just a good hand to have around. Fifteen, I have Brett the Hitman Hart. To me, Brett has more value being in the Rumble match than the match with Diesel. Again, I like the thing that you do with Owen, uh, but I, I wanted name value. I wanted name stars. And it got to the point where I was loading up with so much Smoky Mountain USWA guys that the WWF looked really weak. So I needed Brett here. Yeah. And I think having him come in dead in the middle is a good spot for him. Uh, 16, I got King Kong Bundy. 17, I've got Terry Funk. Now, Terry Funk is probably the 
one free agent guy that I have. He wasn't with SMW or USWA at the time. He was working Japan dates and for ECW off and on. Right. Um, but he was the kind of the first name I thought of. Okay, who's the highest profile free agent that I could bring in? And I went, oh, I could probably get Terry Funk, and he fits. And you know, he was with WWF just ten years before that. He had the feud with Flair five years before that in the NWA, five to six. Um, he's a known name. He was still working at the time. So I just like the idea of bringing Terry Funk in here. 18, I've got Bob Backlund. 19, Mabel. Big, immobile. Don't like him. But this match is a good use for him because he's a monster guy. He's a spectacle. Good use. 20. I've got Psycho Sid. Now, we're about a month out from Sid's actual debut as Psycho Sid and working as a bodyguard for Shawn Michaels heading into WrestleMania. So I'm just moving up the timeline a little bit because Sid had been working in the USWA and was actually involved in their title picture there. So I would have him as a USWA entry, but I would have him maybe working with Shawn Michaels a little bit, like taking guys off of Shawn, protecting Shawn a little, have the announcers mention that. And that kind of sets up him actually becoming the bodyguard instead of just showing up on TV one day. Right. 21, I got Ricky Morton. 22, Robert Gibson. Worked in Smoky Mountain and USWA both. Have been WWF about a year before that when they were doing the Smoky Mountain angle where they were the champs defending the belts. Uh, fans know them. Usually you have a tag team that comes in back to back like it was the guns in the original one. I'm just using the Rock and Roll Express in that slot. 23, I got Tracy Smothers. Another one of Cornette's top guys in Smoky Mountain. He would be in the WWF about a year later as Freddie Joe Floyd. Uh, 24, I got primetime Brian Lee. Another top Smoky Mountain guy. And he was the underfaker just the year before, which yeah. leads us to number 25, The Undertaker. So this is a little Easter egg for people who knew that Brian Lee was the underfaker. So UT would come in go after Lee immediately and quickly <laughs> eliminate him. Uh, UT is also probably going to wipe out a lot of the dead weight that might be in here at this point. 26, I got Buddy Landell, another Smoky Mountain top guy. I had a spot I needed to fill. I picked Buddy Landell. Uh, 27, I got Bam Bam Bigelow. I think by having him come in late, you can maybe have him appear to be another potential winner uh, and also the best chance that the Million Dollar Corporation would have to get that WrestleMania title shot. 28, I have Boo Bradley. Uh, this was Balls Mahoney. This is the character he had in Smoky Mountain. Uh, he would be in the WWF at the end of, this, of the year of 95 as Santa Claus. So just jumping ahead and using him here. 29, I've got Jerry Lawler. I play this off as Lawler being surprised. Like he jumps right into the ring from a commentary position. It's probably eliminated in short order and then go back to the commentary position. This is something they would actually do years later. Uh, but I'm using the idea here now. And then number 30, of course, Lex Luger, because he won that uh, match earlier in the night to get the number 30 spot. So not to go over all the eliminations and everything, uh, but my final four would be Bret Hart, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Davey Boyce Matt. Those are probably your four biggest WWF names in the match. So you can do something with Hart and Undertaker to set up a potential WrestleMania match between them. Maybe they eliminate each other. Maybe they're working together and then Bret turns on Taker or something like that. But you can get something between them. Um, and because I still wanted to tell that story of Hart and Smith starting and ending. So they're my final two. And to be honest, I really didn't love the Shawn Michaels dangling the foot. Mm. Because up to that point, it was always um, you get thrown out of the match and you hit the floor. And then all of a sudden here, it's both feet touch the floor. That becomes a new wrinkle with this. And ever since that point, that has... You, has always become a technical thing. You have to go over the top rope, both feet touch the floor. Because you had guys going through the middle, going under the bottom rope, 
one foot touching. You have all the crazy stuff Kofi Kingston does every year. And right. it kind of got old and it kind of started here. So I might just have Sean win straight out. Maybe he gets a low blow or an eye gouge, which would be, of course, legal in the match because you can't get disqualified from the Rumble. Uh, but have him toss out, but still have Shawn Michaels win. So I still get the same end result because I think it's the best end result. But how I get there is a lot different. Um, you put together something I think really is interesting. I think today people were looking at go, man, that was such a weird rumble, all those different names in there. And, right. and two, it would help, especially the fact that WWF was already helping Smoky Mountain and USWA, but doing this in this way helps them out so much more and get so much more exposure to those promotions. Because I think at this point, I think Vince McMahon understood the importance of competition, of having or at least having a feeder league out there, having, you know, as you could tell from this, they poached guys from Smoky Mountain USWA um, over the course of the next year or so. So I think they understood, oh, we got rid of everybody. We've got nowhere to send guys or to train guys or anything to at least, you know, give us a bit of a challenge in a market here or there. So um, that's why I want to do well, what, what I did what i did there so there you go that that's that's my rumble quite different from the one we got i like the idea of using other promotions to help out you know and i obviously did that as well um mm -hmm. which we'll get to i i think that your rumble sounds good we both have kind of the same idea as far as how it starts and how it ends um mm -hmm. and in listening to you like talk about the undertaker being in it i am going to change my card right here and now Oh no! I'm going to take away the Undertaker perfect match because knowing that he was injured, you know, as much as I would love to have seen that match, you know, I'm going to take away that match and I am going to put the Undertaker in the Rumble. Um, okay, so you're going to eliminate one of your matches. Perfect is going to stay injured and the Undertaker. So basically, you just got to talk about a free match. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. no problem. Not a problem. Everybody out there would have loved to have seen that match too. <laughs> yes, 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 probably so. I mean, that's, but maybe that's one you can keep in your back pocket for a future rebook. And I, you know what, though, I think a lot of the people that you used, you know, would have added some legitimacy, legitimacy during a time mm -hmm. when there was a lot of cartoonish characters. And right. personally, I would have, I would have loved to have seen that. Absolutely. Um, it would yeah. be cool to see some of those young names, uh, you know, test out their gimmicks at the time, you know, before they would become other gimmicks. Um, but yeah, I, I like your rubble. It sounds a lot more fun than the one that actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I said at the beginning, my theme is WWF versus Japan. So I am keeping the same starters, Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog. As Leonard said, I agree with him. Uh, I like that story and I would keep it going. Um, the, the intervals would be 90 seconds, so it would be a little bit longer. Um, number three. I kept Eli Blue in there. Um, I wanted to get rid of them, but I just didn't have... I, I well, There wasn't enough names that I felt like using here. I didn't want to use too many names. Uh, well, again, the Blue Twins work for the Rumble because they're big guys. Right. They have unique visual, the hair and the beard. So to have them come in just as a pop, as, oh, look at that dude, and then get them eliminated, fine. Right. And we should add... That Leonard and I, since we're both using other promotions, in 97, the Rumble would feature quite a few stars from AAA, uh, Lucha yeah. Libre, um, you know, famously Mil Mascaris, who jumped off the top rope outside. Um, but so this is not a foreign concept, uh, no pun intended. Like, this is something they would do. Um, so number four is Mitsuhara Misawa, who is yeah. a Japanese legend and sadly has passed away but has had so many championships too numerous to mention uh worked for all japan at the time and he is in replacement of duke drose sorry uh you, you know if i know who they are in japan that means that they're a legend so i know who masawa is right and I think that would be really cool to have him here yep and number five jimmy del rey number six shone sione Whatever the hell the barbarian is, barbarian. I would change it back to the barbarian. Just call him the barbarian. <laughs> yeah. the barbarian. Uh, number seven, Tom Pritchard. Number eight, Doink. Number nine, Quang. Number ten, Rick Martel. Number eleven, Owen Hart. 
And number 12, after Owen Hart, in, in, in uh, replacing Timothy Well, I would have Kenta Kobashi come okay. in. So no Kobashi as well. Yeah. So you have Kobashi and Misawa, who actually would be more tag team partners at the time. They wouldn't really have started their legendary feud just then. But uh, to have those two guys in it would be, uh, even though audiences might not know who they are, you know, you could help that out on commentary. Once people see these guys start chopping MFers out there, yeah, the audience wouldn't care if they knew them or not. <laughs> they could get themselves over. I'm thinking, though, who would you put on commentary? Because Vince and Jerry Lawler aren't going to be able to get these guys over. They don't know enough. You need, yeah. like, Mike Tanay. You need, like, your specialist. You need, like, Mike Tanay. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, number 13 in... Uh, replacing Bushwhacker Luke would be Tiger Mask. Now, okay. this was Tiger Mask number four, who is uh, Yoshihiro Yamazaki. Not a name on, that you might know, but Tiger Mask certainly is. There was quite a few people who would have that right. uh, over the years. So, And I think that's a gimmick that people, even though they didn't know, would respond to it. Like, he comes out with the cape and the mask. People go, oh, who the hell's that? Like, right. they, they, and, oh. and then once they saw some of the stuff he would do in the ring, you know, it, that would all take care of itself. Uh, I kind of like the idea of Tiger Mask and Doink working together. Yeah. There was, like, you know, a million of them. That, that would be weird to see, would it not? Um, uh, God, that's going to make my head explode, just that match, you know, what it was like. Um, number 14, Jacob Blue. Number 15, King Kong Bundy. Number 16, Mo. Number 17, Mabel. Number 18, in replacing Bushwhacker Butch, Tatsumi Fujinami. Okay. So he is still doing his thing over in Japan. He is not a uh, young person, but he is still wrestling. And back then, he was obviously more in his prime. Mm -hmm. um, so again, another legendary Japanese name. Um and then right after him, you could have these two kind of confront each other. Uh, Lex Luger at number 19. Number 20, replacing Mantar, our, one of our favorites here on the show. Sorry, Mantar. Uh, yeah. Would be Black Tiger. Now, okay. what makes this interesting is this is Black Tiger 2. And at the time, that was Eddie Guerrero. Oh, okay. You have Eddie Guerrero in the match, um, even though nobody knows that that's who it is. Um, number 21, Aldo Montoya. So just imagine, you know, Black Tiger and Aldo Montoya in there together. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, 22, Henry Godwin. 23, Billy Gunn. 24, Bart Gunn. 25, Bob Backlund. 26, replacing Stephen Dunn. We both had the same idea. Terry Funk. So you have... Funny that we both used Funk. Of all the guys that we replaced, yeah. we both had Funk. Terry Funk was doing stuff in Japan, so that still kind of goes along with my yeah. in a loose way. Um, so then you can have number 27 have, you know, stuff going on with them, which is Dick Murdoch. Um, yeah, Funk and Murdoch together in a WWF ring, that's crazy. <laughs> 28, I'm replacing Adam Bomb with The Undertaker. Okay. And 29, who do we have left replacing Fatu? Antonio Inoki strides out, strides out to the ring. A mat, like, and this is why I changed my match with The Undertaker and Mr. Perfect, because I was trying to figure out who could Inoki have a confrontation with that could also conceivably eliminate him as the icon that he was. Now, keep in mind, he is today a WWE Hall of Famer. Yes. So the idea of him being here is not totally out of the blue. Um, no. He, he had, had he had worked he had worked I think a couple of things with them right then he had a massive grill monsoon wasn't that a thing yes that makes sense wow. yes that rings a bell absolutely um, so imagine him and the Undertaker having a confrontation I think that that would be really interesting to see even though one's a very gimmicky character and the other one isn't um, and you could and then thirty I would keep Crush as thirty so it's conceivable that Anoki would not lose any of his you know, popularity or anything if you have The Undertaker and potentially Crush helping to get him out of the ring. Yeah, uh, two of your bigger guys and also right. two guys that were substantial pushes, substantial names at the time. Right. So I would have, obviously, Shawn Michaels and uh, British Bulldog be in the final two. And, you know, if I'm really, if I'm really thinking about it, you know, I might have... Uh, 
Backlund and maybe Tatsumi Fujinami be in there with the final four. I, I could see some of the other guys getting eliminated earlier. So, mm-hmm. you know, my num- my final four isn't nearly as thought out as Leonard's is, but I would still have Shawn Michaels win. And I agree with you. The foot dangle thing is, is a highlight that is just overdone at this point. And it, it has led to parts of the rumble match, even though they're exciting for a minute, it, it, it has gotten old. I agree with you. It has, it's run its course. Now they're, they're the things they're trying to do with it now are just venturing way into silly territory. Um, and so, yes, I, I would probably get rid of that. Um, but yeah, so Shawn Michaels is your winner. I wouldn't change that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could still have, you know, in my universe down the road, a, a Bret Hart diesel feud. Um, but the money here is Shawn Michaels and diesel who were, you know, not quite on the outs, I don't think. I was trying to look this up before we got on, before we started recording. And like, you know, they were still, they maybe might've been on shaky ground, but I don't think they had full-fledged, you know, broken up per se yet. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you kept more of the guys and more of the order than than I did. Yeah, I didn't rework the order nearly as much as I probably should have. Like, I was trying to just, like, say, okay, who do I want out? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I really thought about who, especially with the USWA and Smoky Mountain guys, it was like, okay, I can't put so many of them back to back. I got sprinkled WWF guys, where do I want to put them? So I was doing more with that than you did. But I really like the inclusion of the Japanese guys. Again, both of us just wanted to do something different. Yeah, and my my thing was, you know, like watching Wrestle Kingdom 16 and knowing like they had like a third night, which was uh, New Japan versus uh, Noah. So like, you know, you have in Japan, two rival companies Mm -hmm. had had an event together where stars from each company would face each other. So that was kind of like what got me my inspiration here. Like just, you know, in a perfect world, I would have loved to have seen some of these guys make a name for themselves even if it was for one night i think thinking about this in retrospect if you look back and been like oh man remember when kobashi was in the royal rumble like it's been a cool thing to think back on uh because god i mean these guys everybody i mentioned has had so many legendary matches that fans don't know about and uh you know so i would have loved to have seen them have this stage once i think kobashi would come over in ring of honor once and face Samoa Joe, <laughs> which was yeah. such an oddity that happened, but you know, that actually did happen. So it would have been cool to see them have a prime time, you know, stage here. So, but yeah, I like both of my, both of us had good ideas though. Yeah. And it should be mentioned too. And I can't remember if this was the year for it was 95, but right around this time, WCW did the when worlds collide at Starcade where they right. brought in, yeah, the Japanese wrestlers, and I'm surprised you didn't use Jushin Thunder Liger or Great Muda. I thought about, I did not think about Muda. I did not um, because he was always in and out of WCW. Right, right. I'm not even sure where he was exactly at this time point. I thought about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. I, I did. There was a couple times where I was like, oh, maybe I should put him, but he was also he had also popped up in WCW. Yeah. So. Like, yeah, I thought about that and I was like, well, I don't want to use too many of these guys. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to explain like, well, they were in WCW, but they're not here. Like, so, so yeah, I tried to use guys that really had never been on North American soil too much, aside from Terry Funk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think we, I think we both came to mind that Funk's probably, if you want to talk a random free agent, Funk's your best name. Yeah, and just like seeing he and Dick Murdoch, you know, just probably eliminate each other and just beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't keep Dick Murdoch. You know, I thought at one point just to keep Dick Murdoch because you know he's Dick Murdoch, but because of the way I was reshaping things, like oh, he doesn't really fit, and I'm kind of using Terry Funk in the Murdoch position, so you know I wound up not keeping Dick Murdoch, but. Even to this day, um, I think, you know, as, as we mentioned, I didn't watch at the time either, but I think I remember seeing the 95 Rumble at a later point in time, sometime in the future. Yeah, and when you. Dick Murdoch came out, I was like, what now? 
You yeah, said who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could even have him like have a confrontation in the Rumble with somebody totally random and that doesn't make any sense. Like have him, you know, have a, a brief feud with Mo. Yeah. It's something totally out of left field. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was looking when I was looking at the eliminations, Dick Murdoch and Crush eliminated like two or three guys together. Right. So Dick Murdoch and Crush are working together. Uh, this was such a random rumble. It really, really was. It, it, it is. And that's why it kind of needed to be, you know, rebooked it, or it was a good one for our rebooking series. I wonder if that's what Vince was thinking. Like, he's like, oh man, look at the people in this, make it a minute and just get it done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what I, I thought was because you had such a weak roster and it was so lousy. Let's right. just burn it off. Because again, the total rumble is only like 38 minutes, like right. 38 minutes. That to put that in perspective, Shawn Michaels starts and ends and is nowhere near the longevity record. Right. Nowhere near. Right. Nowhere near. Not even like at the top five, I don't think. Right. Rick wasn't didn't Rick Martell had it for the longest time. He had Rick Martell, I think, in the second or third rumble was like 45 minutes, and he wasn't one and he didn't win. Yeah. No, it had think, more time in than Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he had he had I think the longest for a good while uh, until the '92 Rumble when when Flair went sixty. Right, right, yeah. which is still which is still one of the best Rumbles. Yeah, um, but yeah, so thank you for joining us and uh, let us know what you think of our rebook ideas. If you have different ideas, there were a lot of free agents, by the way. Um, oh yeah, I, I was looking at a lot of lists, and I could have pulled way more guys than I I'm did. I'm amazed you didn't use the honky tonk man. Well, he was, you know what? I didn't really look too far into the free agent. Oh really? Yeah, he was on there. He and Brutus Beefcake. I saw Beefcake. Yeah, but once I figured out the smoking, I can't remember. I hit upon somebody, and I went, "Oh hey, yeah." They were working for Memphis. And then that's how I got on the USWA and the Smoky Mountain idea. And then I just pulled up their rosters for 95 and cross-checked some names. And I try to use the guys who were booked the most. Like Terry Funk worked like one Smoky Mountain match in 95. Right. Or one taping, I should say. And uh, but, but still, you know, he wasn't necessarily a Smoky Mountain talent. Right. Uh, Jake Roberts was was out there. You know, a lot of guys were yeah. were yeah. brought back. Not the best period for Jake, but yeah, not the best good. period for him. Hence, why he was kind of floating in space. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of, of free agent names. It, another idea, idea that we didn't use, but you could have did like an old school rumble. You could have done like like the Legends Night or the Retro Rawls that they do now. You could have done right. that for rumble because you could have easily brought back. Tony Taltman, Beefcake, Hell Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales. I yeah, mean, they really gone really crazy. Absolutely. Iron Sheik. There were a lot of guys from the late 70s that you could have brought in. Luthez. Luthez, why he was 75. Who cares? You know, Waldo Von Eric. You know, whatever. <laughs> Danny but Hodge. I think that's any <laughs> George Hackenschmidt. No, I think he's dead by the <laughs> like time. these people come out and let the audience is like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> these geezers, like these eight-year-old dudes. <laughs> uh, you know, one name I thought of and I forgot to look was was Dusty Rhodes, because I can't remember if if because he bounced in and out of WCW there for a while. So I meant to look up Dusty Rhodes and I forgot to. But but yeah, I think the, uh, the just have her be in the rumble. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, 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 May Young, you know, I think the the only the other idea, like I think my idea is solid, your idea is solid. I think the other solid idea would be just to do like a Legends Rumble. Yeah, no, I, I think that that could have absolutely worked if uh, you know all the stars aligned and you got the right amount of people. So yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. And again, you you know, sprinkle them in with the regular guys like we did, but you get ten. You can call that a Legends Rumble, especially if they're the right names. If you get a couple like Honky Tonk Man, Bruce Beefcake, the people will remember, had very memorable gimmicks, had just, you know, been there no more than a few years ago. And if you could get a Bruno, a Pedro, um, you know, someone who from a Hackenschmidt, Billy Graham's hips wouldn't let him at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, (laughs) you know, Bob, Bob Backlund even counts, you know, Bob Backlund counts. 
So, so I think you could do something there. See, now I want to go back and see what kind of legends rumble I could piece. Together. Yeah, I know. Yeah, let me know if you do, if you do that. Let me know. I'm... If if, we, if I wind up doing that, we'll, I'll I'll quickly go over that in the next show. It'll be a bonus. It'll be. It'll a, be a bonus. A bonus short. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. Well, like I said, let us know what you think um, about the '95 Rumble and our rebook ideas. And next week, I have another rumble related idea leonard and i will go over that after we leave here um mm-hmm. but please uh check us out on apple podcasts and spotify uh hit the like button on our youtube video and subscribe to our channel every little bit helps and uh we thank all of our loyal watchers and listeners uh so thank you very much and alexa we'll see you 